MSW Media. News was swearing. Daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, April 15th, 2021. Today, the Capitol Police were ordered to hold back on riot response on January 6th. Joe Biden ends the war in Afghanistan. Matt Gates had his iPhone seized by the feds last winter, and Greenberg looks like to be cooperating with prosecutors. The Biden Justice Department refuses to hand over documents relating to the former guy's zero-tolerance policy at the border. The former cop Kim Potter that shot and killed Dante Wright has been arrested, booked, and charged with second-degree manslaughter and the Kenosha officer who shot Jacob Blake will not face discipline. I'm A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Wow, this was a really, really heavy news day today, Dana. Indeed. We've got some heavy stories. We have some good stories. We've got some good news. You've got stuff in the middle for us, but it was definitely a jam-packed day of news. Mm, yes. My goodness. And I've been watching, the, you know, this the Derek Chauvin trial and the murder of George Floyd, and, and I have to say, I have to say that the the... <laughs> the expert quote unquote witness today um was a mess it was just a disaster for the defense oh my cross examination i mean was embarrassing for him yeah and he's like i'm sorry can you pronounce that word again that you keep using and and he pronounced it wrong again and then laughed and then tried to say that that and this is this was all new to me that that sh- um that george floyd actually died from carbon monoxide yeah but then under the cross he was like actually i'm not even sure if the car was on what yeah what did, what are you saying and he's like do you have any data to show that no you just it's just you're just no. feeling it today is that what it is oh my god oh god these i mean and this is the, you you think this is the best they could find also which is also terrifying for yeah. the defense thank god yeah. thank god although if this does not go the way it's supposed to i do worry i definitely worry because this is case is overwhelmingly obvious that he needs to be in prison for the rest of his life. I am 150 million percent sure that he will not be acquitted. Thank God. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, because you would need all 12, right. you would need all 12 jurors to, f- to find him not guilty. Yeah, won't happen. Uh, that's not going to happen. I am extremely worried about a hung jury, which means they would need to retry the case, right? Where just one or two or any, any number of holdout jurors um, could, could, find that little shred of reasonable doubt. I don't know how, but anyway, um, I'm worried about that outcome. And then a little bit later in the show, I have an amazing interview with Navazison. They wrote a book called The Pronoun Lowdown, and it is truly amazing. And I hope that you stay tuned for that. So uh, and in between now and then we have just we got to cram in a bunch of news. So let's do it. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, the lead story today comes from the New York Times. The Capitol Police had clearer advanced warnings about the January 6th attack than were previously known, perhaps by the New York Times, but we knew. Uh, But seriously, in public reporting, though, uh, (laughs) including the potential for violence in which Congress itself is the target, quote unquote. But officers were instructed by their leaders not to use their most aggressive tactics to hold off the mob. That's according to a scathing new report by the agency's internal investigation. 
investigator, the inspector general there at the Capitol Police. It's a 104-page document. It's called Review of the Events Surrounding January 6, 2021, Takeover of the U.S. Capitol. It is the most searing portrait yet of the lapses and miscalculations around the most violent attack on the Capitol in two centuries. It adds significant new details, not unearthed in congressional hearings, and is likely to inform a coming overhaul of the agency. Then we're talking about the Capitol Police uh, by lawmakers. Okay, and Michael Bolton is the inspector general's name. I just want to get that out on the table. I know. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. I just have to put it out there. Um, This is a very serious story. And then in Waltz is Michael Bolton. Um, He is the Capitol Police's inspector general, classified report uh, as a law enforcement sensitive and has not released it to the public. But the New York Times got a copy and reviewed the whole thing before his testimony to the House Administration Committee, which is scheduled for today, Thursday. Some of the key findings include that the Capitol Police's own intelligence unit warned that Trump supporters were planning to target Congress and could become violent, motivated by election fraud claims. And the Capitol Police intelligence unit issued that warning Three days before the insurrection, January 3rd. That was a threat assessment. Interesting. It says uh, Trump supporters and not Antifa. Yep. Ah, Hmm. interesting. Trump supporters. So they knew. Fueled by election fraud claims. Motivated by the big lie. Uh, and here's a here's a quote from uh, that threat assessment, the January 3rd threat assessment, quote, unlike previous uh, post-election protests, the target group of the pro-Trump supporters are not necessarily counter protesters as they were previously, but rather Congress itself is the target on the 6th. Stop the steel's propensity to attract white supremacists, militia members and others who actively promote violence may lead to a significantly dangerous situation for law enforcement and the general public alike. That came out January 3rd to the intelligence unit at the Capitol Police. And the unit was not alone in sounding the alarm. Separately, the Department of Homeland Security, as we know, warned the agency that it had found a map of the Capitol complex's tunnel system posted on a pro-Trump message board. And, of course, we had the FBI Norfolk Field Office and their report on January 5th. We had Sund asking the board... Uh, leadership board, right at the at the Capitol Police uh, board, uh, to f- that for uh, an emergency authorization status, like you know, to declare an emergency mm-hmm. uh, January fifth, and they said no, you need the other guys to do it too, and they wouldn't, they refused. So it's kind of seems like where the problem lies. Department leaders have defended their actions and downplayed intelligence reports. In public testimony, remember they were saying it was an intelligence failure? Yep. Well, now it is completely and totally clearly not. We knew that, but now it's we, we have proof. I mean, if it was Donald, it also would be considered an intelligence failure. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Um, and none of the intelligence, quote, none of the intelligence we received predicted what actually occurred. That's from Stephen Sund. He, that's what he told the Senate in February. But did you, you heard what I just read. Mm-hmm. But apparently Sund didn't get that report from the intelligence unit at the Capitol Police, and he's the Capitol Police chief, okay. Right. He told the Senate in February, quote, these criminals came prepared for war. And that's exactly what the fucking thing said. Uh, the report catalogs several problems related to the force's civil disturbance unit, the CDU. That's a group of officers who contain large crowds of protests. Those shortcomings hindered the ability of Capitol Police to respond when hundreds of rioters showed up. Uh, the unit uh, was operating at a decreased level of readiness as a result of lack of standards for equipment and fostered a culture that decreased operational readiness. Hmm. The problems were compounded when department leadership directed the unit not to use some of its most powerful crowd control tools, such as stun grenades. Uh, a rank and file officer later said a bunch of rank and file officers later said they would have believed it would help 
help them fight the crowds if they had those things, the stun grenades. Uh, but the crowds eventually overtook them and, and, you know, broke into the building. Heavier, less lethal weapons were not used that day because of orders from leadership. That's in, in the ro- uh, report here from the inspector general, but they don't give names. Officers responding on January 6th had been outfitted with pr- protective shields that had been stored in a trailer without climate control and shattered upon impact. That's another thing from the report. In another case, officers frantic for something to protect them could not use their shields during the siege because they were locked on a bus. Jesus. And when the crowd became unruly, the CDU platoon attempted to access the bus to distribute the shields, but they were unable to because the door was locked. It's unbelievable how much incompetence happened. Mm-hmm. And intentional. Yeah. But just also incompetence, stuff that they just didn't even take care of. Unbelievable that they left them out there like that to get killed, literally to die. Yeah, and some did. Unbelievable. AG, thank you for that uh, that story. Uh, the next one comes, the Biden Justice Department has refused to disclose key documents from the, the former guy's administration, planning of the zero tolerance policy that separated thousands of migrant families at the U.S. border. Now, that's according to a document filed in a class action lawsuit in Arizona late Friday. Now, among those documents not giving to plaintiffs lawyers representing separated families seeking damages was the agenda from a May 3, 2018 meeting, which NBC News has reported included a show of hands vote to move forward with separating families. So the materials requested include emails between top Trump administration officials and minutes uh, minutes of high-level meetings during the planning of the policy. Now, that's according to doc to, to court documents. So the Trump administration had invoked executive privilege to keep the materials private and denied the materials to lawyers as part of discovery in the lawsuit. So the Biden administration did agree to hand over some documents, largely by unredacting previously redacted material. So the Justice Department lawyers argued in the filing that the government must protect the right of the government to keep certain planning documents confidential. So this is really interesting. Just as a small note before we go on. The former guy would have never done that if this had been an Obama policy. You know what I mean? He would have been like, here they are. Doesn't matter if they're, you know, here's everything I'm going to. True. True. It's almost like a kindness, right? (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm very disappointed in this decision. I I was hoping they would hand over. Um, these documents. Uh, but the news makes it sound like Biden is refusing to hand over documents. No, he, he refused to hand over. They have one document two and a couple of emails listed here. Those are the right. that's the cadre that they're talking about. But this document was the, the meeting minutes of that meeting where, the, you know, five white guys raised their hands and said, yeah, let's separate families at the border. Right. Um, we kind of know what happened in that meeting. So, but I mean, it would definitely be very important to the lawsuit, you know, because it would show that this was cruelty with the cruelty was the point. Right. Exactly. Right? And that's what the, that's the documents they were looking for in this, in this case in Arizona. Um, now ready for this new details are emerging. Give me, give me some joy. Give me some joy. <laughs> new details are emerging in the Gates investigation with a scoop from Politico that Gates and his girlfriend had their phones seized by federal investigators in December. So we now know that Gates has known about this since at least then, December, right? At the, you know, that's kind of pushed back because it felt like he just found out about it the day he went on Fox News, right? He's like, let me check what date I found out. Oh, wait, I can't. They seized my phone in December. <laughs> yeah, this isn't. Yeah, because and he wouldn't talk about knowing about it before because in December, guess who was president? Guess who was attorney general? Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the deep state. That's us now, right? We're oh, the deep yeah. state now. Back then, 
not so much. Uh, just kidding. But now we know he knew, at least in December, could be earlier than that. Uh, but uh, this is the first pu- like public reporting that puts it back then. So Politico also has new details about the Bahamas trip from a source that was on the trip. Whoopsie. <laughs> One of the women, right? The trip included Gates, the now 20-year-old woman at the center of the sex trafficking case who had just turned 18 at the time of the trip, though her birthday has not been confirmed. Um, The hand doctor, Pirazzolo, uh, state legislator, Halsey Bashirs, Halsey, and at least five other young women. Three of them looked so young when they returned from on Bashir's private jet that U.S. Customs briefly stopped and questioned him. Uh, Gates flew commercial, by the way. I guess he wasn't he wasn't invited. I guess the, the site for so-called sugar daddies, I guess the so-called part's pretty heavy there with Gates, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if $174,000 a year a sugar daddy makes, but what do I know? Maybe a saccharine daddy. It's more of like just a, an <laughs> artificial... Stevia daddy? A stevia daddy. It's an artificial sweetener. Oh, we have our episode title. <laughs> stevia daddies. Okay. Now, as the investigation heated up in the winter after Gates got his phone seized, Halsey resigned as the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation Secretary. So he was a state legislator, then he became in charge of business uh, in Florida. Notably absent from the trip was Gates' buddy, Joel Greenberg. Turns out he wasn't invited because he had a beef with the hand guy's girlfriend, right? But what he doesn't have a beef with is cooperating with the feds. As it turns out, he's been spilling the beans to prosecutors since last year. Mr. Greenberg is said to have met the women, these women, a bunch of women, through websites that connect people who go on dates in exchange for gifts, fine dining, travel, and allowances, and introduced them to Mr. Gates. And he told investigators as much, right? He apparently told him about several men, several Republicans, who did the same thing. Uh, Greenberg began speaking with investigators once he realized the government had overwhelming evidence against him and that his only path to leniency lay in cooperation. He has met several times with investigators to try to establish his trustworthiness, though a range of criminal charges against him, including fraud, could undermine his credibility as a witness. You think? You think so? Uh, but that's not what we do this for, right? You get you get him queen for a day, you get all the information, you get all the proffer, you get all the crimes, and then you go follow up on those leads. You mm-hmm. consider them leads, you know? I wouldn't I wouldn't put Joel Greenberg on the stand in any <laughs> no. case. Uh, so I was a little confused yesterday. Like, if he's cooperating and giving good information for a year almost, why did the feds charge him with, like, eight more indictments since then? I was wondering if maybe he lied during his proffer session. You know, his lawyer seemed to think he's going to be cooperating. Uh, but I couldn't figure out if it was, like, a Michael Cohen Manafort cooperator or, like, a Sammy Bull, the Bull Gravano cooperator, <laughs> right? Um, but we have the answer because a prosecutor has told the court in a filing that Greenberg would likely be entering into a plea agreement in the coming weeks. And this just in. Beep, 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 ships at sea. Women are now telling journalists in CNN about late night sex parties with Gates and other Republicans, which. And the way they describe these parties, they sound like a real good time, except for the Republicans. Okay. 
Women would arrive at a house in a gated community. They were forced to hand over their cell phones so they couldn't document any of what happened during the party. They would share cocaine, ecstasy. A lot of people had sex with each other. Gates behaved like a frat boy. One woman said he was taking pills. She saw him taking recreational drugs one time. Wonder if Ronnie Jackson was there. The candy man. The candy man. Yeah, probably not, but it's just funny. I always think of him whenever I hear pills. (laughs) And uh, after these parties, money would change hands. That's according to receipts that CNN has seen with eyes, including one that compensated a woman for travel. One woman said she received money for sex at these parties, but didn't get paid directly from Gates, or she wouldn't say. Oh, my god! Uh, so, yeah, Republican ecstasy parties. <gasps> well, also, like, Gates is flying commercial, which you know, is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're supposed to be the sugar daddy and he's taking some woman on a flight, and she's, he's like, we can't board yet. I don't have status, so you just might want to sit down and relax. We're actually in the last boarding group. We're in the D group, baby. Oh, my Sorry. God. Don't even have cold. <laughs> it's, just, it's embarrassing. Just like, I would, I would hate to see like a, like, a, like a Republican cuddle puddle, like what that looks like. Yeah. You know? My goodness. Oh, I almost wish we had ended on that one because this last one, whew. Got another tough one. Yeah, the uh, the Kenosha, Wisconsin police officer who shot Jacob Blake, and as we know, was a black man and, and was paralyzed from the waist down after the shooting in August, has returned to work and they will not face discipline, the police department announced Tuesday. So the officer, Rustin Chesky, returned from his administrative leave in late March. He was found to have been acting within policy and will not be subjected to discipline. That's according to a statement Tuesday from Kenosha Police Chief Daniel Miskinis. Uh, so the determination was made after an outside investigation and an independent expert review. That's from the statement. This is a quote. Although this incident has been reviewed at multiple levels, I understand that some will not be pleased with the outcome. However, given the facts, it was the only lawful and appropriate decision to be made. Oh, that last part of that mm. sentence, A.G. Mm. Leave it at lawful. It was only lawful because yeah. it's not an appropriate no. decision. Why can't you just fire? <sighs> I know. I know. Um, on, the, on the other hand, um, and this I don't want to ever constitute this as good news. It's just news, but it's it go, leaning the other direction. Um, the former police officer, Kim Potter, who was recorded on camera fatally shooting Dante Wright, during a, this is the hot story right now. During a traffic stop, was arrested and charged with second degree manslaughter. Unfortunately, not murder, which is interesting because if you and I had committed this crime, it would definitely be murder. Uh, the charge carries a maximum penalty of ten years behind bars. Ten years. Ten years. And she thought it was her fucking taser. It's just that's just hard for me. Yeah, which is yellow. It's yellow. It's lighter. It's I can't. And it's yeah. in your left. It's on your weak side. Yep. You wear it on your weak side. Yeah. How, how do you? How are you? A twenty-six year veteran of the force. You don't know where you're pulling your gun from. Not to mention, if this thing is, let's say this thing is pushed out in front of you. I, it's isn't it like a bright yellow? It's bright yellow. Like it. It's bright yellow. This thing's in front of you. She's saying taser, taser, taser. She does not see bright yellow. And she does still not connect. I just... <sighs> okay. And it's a weird wonky shape, too. Yeah. It's, like, big and fat. We all know what a Glock 9mm looks like. I mean... Uh, yeah. Well, um, more news, though. More news today. But some good. Some good. This is... This is um, this news gets to me. Uh, Joe Biden announced today he's ending the war in Afghanistan. He will withdraw our troops starting May 1st, finishing on September 11th, which marks the 20-year anniversary of the attack on the World Trade Center. Mitch McConnell 
says this is a dangerous move, though he was quiet when Trump announced this plan. That's right. This Mm -hmm. was Trump's plan. May 1st, to have everybody out by May 1st, by the way. Uh, Joe Biden made it better because he's doing it right. Uh, thank the Lord. Uh, but this was this was Trump's move. McConnell didn't say anything then. No. Right? Uh, and, and, and Biden said, that's what this is. It, you know, the United States made a promise. A man didn't make a promise. The United States of America made a promise. We have to keep our promise. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's working with our allies in the region and the Afghan government to ensure a smooth drawdown. He warned our enemies if they try to hit us while we're leaving, they would feel the full force of the United States. Um, I'm I'm confident this will be done with Lloyd Austin at the helm and, and Joe Biden at the helm, that this will be done properly. Yeah, Biden actually had a great quote. And I think, it, you know, I'm going to it's not verbatim, but he said this this has been handed down to four other presidents, two Republican, two Democrat, and I'm not going to hand it down to another one. Yeah, loved it. Yeah. And uh, it was just a real meaningful announcement from the room that he made it from to to the timing. Um, and, you know, he's got personal experience. Absolutely. So. He does. It definitely hits close to home, and I know for you as well. So, yeah. And this just in, this is just being handed to me. The officer that shot Ashley Babbitt, the insurrectionist who was shot while she was trying to overthrow the government, that officer has been cleared of charges. So that is what's going on. It's funny. I don't hear Tommy Lauren saying if she had just complied with police. <laughs> if she had just complied. <sighs> yeah, she was. they were protecting the Capitol. I'm, I'm glad that there was no other decision in that because it would have been in, it would have been ridiculous. All right. We'll be right back with the author of the pronoun lowdown, Navaz Isin. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And today's episode is brought to you by Nuts.com. It's the best kept secret of savvy snackers across the country. I love snacks. I am a snack fiend. And Nuts.com has the most amazing variety of high quality, delicious snacks available. They have white chocolate toffee cashews, bourbon pecans, crystallized ginger and honey sesame sticks. And Nuts.com isn't just for nut lovers. It's your one stop online pantry shop, too. They have all different kinds of yummy snacks, of course, but they have pantry items available, including candies and dried fruits, uh, baking mixes, pasta and more. I love discovering new things on their site. I found baking items for sm- and stuff for smoothies and rolled oats, beans. They have beans and, of course, so many delicious snacks. Nuts.com is a simple, convenient way to have nutritious, delicious, healthy nuts, dried fruit, flowers, grains, and so many other high-quality food delivered right to your door. With over 4,000 products to choose from, Nuts.com is your one-stop online pantry shop. They even have gluten-free and vegan options as well as healthy, kid-friendly snacks like dried strawberries, which are delicious, and a custom trail mix, plus all the raw, organic, roasted, salted, and candy nuts you can imagine, even chocolate dip. Nuts.com is a family-run business, and they take pride in getting you the freshest. So check out their easy-to-navigate website and all the great photos of the products. Delivery is fast. Most orders ship the same day. New Nuts.com customers get free shipping on your first order when you text BEANS to 64000. And remember, you support our show when you support our sponsors. So text BEANS to 64000 to get free shipping on your first order from Nuts.com. That's BEANS to 64000. Terms apply. Available at Nuts.com slash terms. Everybody, welcome back. I'm honored today to be joined by non-binary transgender activist and writer of two books, including Finding Niveau, and now their new book, The Pronoun Lowdown, a useful guidebook on all things related to pronouns. Please welcome Niveau Zissen. Niveau, hello. Hi, thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk to you today, uh, and I wanted to kick this off. If you could just give us a little intro about yourself and then talk about 
sort of get into what prompted you to write these two very important books? Sure, yeah. So my name is Nevoz Isinen. I'm 25 years old. I'm an Australian author, public speaker, and activist. Uh, I run workshops in schools and workplaces around transgender identity. So I do professional development, um, and I also run writing workshops and basically do uh, whatever people ask me to. <laughs> um, my career has taken me in lots of really interesting and fun directions. Um, I wrote Finding Navarre when I was 19. I started writing and it was published when I was 21. Uh, and it's a memoir about my life, my gender, my transition, um, growing up as Jewish in Melbourne as well in a small community and what that was like coming out as queer and trans. Uh, and then I went on to publish The Pronoun Lowdown more recently, uh, which is just, yeah, like a guidebook around pronouns and a bit around the historical context as well in which we're kind of living right now. Uh, and I guess the reason why I published that book is, well, firstly, I would have a lot of people read Finding the Vote and continue to misgender me, which was really infuriating. Um, and I think also, like, pronouns just seems to me like the next sort of Mount Everest that we need to overcome. I, I feel almost like the next one after marriage equality in the same sense that it's kind of like, this is not the most important issue. This is just the next pinnacle. Like there's actually so many things that we need so much more really when we talk about healthcare, employment, housing, you know, like really fundamental basic needs that pronouns is sort of a, a kind of secondary or tertiary thing but it is also a vehicle or a stepping stone to be able to get there and to make people feel validated on the way to those bigger structures. Uh, so, yeah, I wanted to talk about how pronouns aren't like a new left-wing fad and that they're not um, something that was recently invented, you know, because I think people are very affronted by this conversation more often than not. Um, so I wanted to place it in a historical and a geographic context I really wanted to talk about they, them pronouns as a singular having existed since the 1300s and lots of English luminaries having used it as a singular um, and also just have a discussion that's really fun and approachable. I think that's something that I really value in other people's work and in my own as well is like making things digestible without diluting them. Um, but, you know, people are so overwhelmed by some of this stuff and some of this language and the way that it's shifting and it's such a, a huge cavern to try and tackle. Um, and I really like making things kind of exciting and fun because I think that growth is exciting and fun. I don't think it has to be really intimidating and I think there are so many people who use really convoluted language to explain this stuff. And my fundamental core belief is, like, if you can't explain something to a three-year-old, you probably don't understand it. And so that's kind of my approach is like, let's do something colorful and fun and easy and learn together because this can be scary and it doesn't have to be. Ah, uh, yes, I understand completely when I tried to break down the Mueller investigation into digestible, fun, exciting and hilarious parts. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. But I think that this definitely is going to have more social impact and it, as it should and already has for decades. Um, now, there are so many people out there who want to learn this information and are open to it 
Uh, now, I mean, you know, we can talk about the, the anti stuff, um, but what I love to focus on is the fact that there are so many people who are interested in learning this and they want to do the right thing. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about maybe some of that we've had discourse here on this show when we started introducing uh, the ability to enter your pronouns when you submitted for the good news segment, for example, and the discourse has been lovely. Uh, and I was wondering if you also had any hints and tips or information, whether in the workshops or in the book, about how people who want to learn can approach these questions without sounding ignorant or offensive or in a negative way, in a negative light. Because I think a lot of people are just afraid to ask the question because they may seem or sound like they are against it. In so many realms now in social media, questions have become challenges to things, you know, where people, you know, somebody's like, if I have a legit question about, well, what makes you think that this person did this that way? People will will be become defensive immediately because my question seems like I already know the answer and I'm just being a dick. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of wondering if you have those sort of uh, that sort of information on how people can can comfortably ask these questions that need to be asked. Yeah, sure. And I think that's a great question <laughs> and a question that should be asked even in the beginning. It's like, well, how do I ask questions? Um, and I agree. I think that, you know, social media really lends itself to um, people kind of attacking each other or just like not seeing the humanity in one another. I think that is like a big part of social media. Um, look, I think it's, I think it can be difficult. I think one of the really important things is recognizing the emotional labor that comes from asking some of these questions, you know, that like, for me, I'm an educator and that is my job. You know, I've written books and I go into workplaces and I educate about these topics, but not each individual trans person or each marginalized person in the world is an educator or wants to be because even if you're not asking a question that is, um, requesting you know justification or is not a challenge it still might feel that way in the body of people who have received that constantly and feel like they have to justify themselves to the world always so i think being really gentle like very consensual with your question asking sort of like do you mind if i ask you a question about pronouns are you open to that so fine if not is a very different thing than someone being like, so what's the deal with this pronoun thing you know like if someone comes to me with that kind of openness I'm usually very willing to reciprocate that same level of respect and openness, but I can feel when people aren't doing that for me, you know? I also think the thing is, is like, there is a lot of information out there, especially around pronouns. Like this is quite a a Googleable topic, you know? I know that people often say like, oh, just Google it. And that's often not very sound advice because there's so much out there or it's really hard to discern what is updated or what is like, useful or whatever. But I do think when it comes to pronouns, if you're not understanding why people are starting to use them or integrate them into email signatures or whatever, there is a lot out there that can contextualize that. And I think that's an important thing for me within my books is there are lots of resources listed. So in the pronoun lowdown, there's, you know, books for adults to read, there's books for kids, there's young adult books, there's film, there's television. I've got heaps of references to contextualize what I'm talking about, because obviously I'm not the inventor of these concepts and I'm not the first person to talk about them either. They've existed for 
tens of thousands of years, if not longer. Um, and that's the funny thing as well, when you were saying earlier that people have come to you being like, what is this new pronoun thing? As if they haven't had pronouns all along, <laughs> you know, it's like everyone has had pronouns all along. It's just been invisibilized by the fact that they're associated with their assigned gender, you know, but it still exists. It's still there. Um, so yeah, I think really respectful question asking and doing a little bit of your own research can go a long way. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I, I really feel you on the point where you're saying, you know, approach with empathy and, and gentleness, like genuine, like kindness, because, you know, as you said, there's so many folks out there who experience daily aggression and daily microaggression, and, and it can become overwhelming. And I think if folks are just sort of understanding of, of that, I think when you f kind of frame your questions with that understanding in that context, then you'll probably be able to come up with the right solution. I really like your idea about, do you mind if I ask you a question about this? Um, because that sort of takes away that, you know, somebody's expecting me to do this job for them. You know, like you say, you're an educator, but there are a lot of people who, because of these daily aggressions and microaggressions, don't feel like it's their job to educate other people. And, and that's totally understandable. And they're also exhausted, you mm -hmm. know, getting these questions all the time. And when they're not getting the questions, they're getting the aggression. And they're living in a world that is making it very clear through every, ladies and gentlemen, through every binary coded gender clothing um that it's not a world for them that there isn't space for them you know and when we talk about pronouns and we talk about misgendering i often refer to it as a death by a thousand paper cuts you know getting misgendered is not the biggest deal in the whole world for a lot of people but it is like a paper cut that you're like oh ow that's a bit sore and then it like happens again and it happens again and it'll happen like a thousand times in one day and then by the end you're just like I'm either exhausted, miserable, or I'm really angry. And then maybe you're the person who misgendered this person once or for the first time ever, and they blow up at you and you're like, wow, that seems really disproportionate. And maybe it kind of is, but it's because it's that kind of like erupting volcano of like all of this rage that is coming from this constant reinforcement that people don't care about you or the world wasn't built for you. Yeah. You're like, it's the thousandth time today. It's the first time for you. It's the thousandth time yeah. for me. Uh, I do have a couple more questions for you. I want to talk about some of the workshops that you do and, and I want to talk a little bit more about the book, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Yes, of course. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and I want to give a shout out to all the moms out there listening to the podcast and my mom because she doesn't. But hi, mom. And I appreciate you all so much. You give so much love and unconditional support and encouragement and inspiration. You deserve gratitude and celebration. I love my mama so much. It's not easy to express such a profound relationship. So I've been looking for something nice to give her, and I found the exact thing at Pandora Jewelry. Pandora has the perfect gift for the mom in your life. They have customizable charms and a huge variety of bracelets, rings, necklaces, earrings, and more. I think my mom is going to love their her key and flower necklace, but nobody tell her. It's a surprise. Each piece of Pandora jewelry is gorgeous, high quality, and a perfect gift meant to last. This season, Pandora has gifts for every mom with new designs in their collection of contemporary classics. Jewelry can be customized to fit all styles and personalities. Curate your own luminous looks with their new Pandora Rose collection or check out some of their best sellers like the Princess Wishbone Ring. Express connections that are stronger than words with symbols of love and gratitude such as hearts, infinity symbols, angels, 
angels' wings, family trees, all of which remind us how special our moms are. Shop safely in-store with Pandora's styling experts and find the perfect gift for any mom on your list, or buy online with in-store pickup and curbside pickup at select locations. Contact your local store to learn more. Thank mom in your life. Uh, for always being there with a sparkling gift from Pandora Jewelry. Go to us.pandora.net slash dailybeans to start shopping or find a store near you. That's us.pandora.net slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. We are talking with writer Nevo Zissen, and I'm. this is just such an important conversation that we're having. And you uh, have a new book, The Pronoun Lowdown, a useful guidebook to all things related to pronouns. But you had mentioned earlier that you also conduct workshops and that your career has kind of taken you in all these different directions that you maybe you weren't expecting. But I mean, what wonderful, con- like unintended consequences that we, we end up, we find ourselves in these situations. Tell me a little bit about these workshops and maybe some of the standout moments, some of these workshops that you do, because I think that that's incredible that, that you're doing this hands-on work. It's so much, it's I think it's so much more effective than, you know, Googling, for example, like you mentioned earlier, or trying to learn things online. Yeah, well, it's funny, you know, because it started very much in that way of people expecting education from me. And, you know, I became an educator on trans topics the second I discovered I was trans. Did I have the, like, the language or the know-how or the ability to do that? Absolutely not. You know, I was, I was 17 years old and I had no trans representation I had no role models. I didn't even know what kind of language was appropriate to use or not. Like I was still embodying so much kind of cis ways of talking about transness, like born in the wrong body and born a girl, became a boy kind of stuff, which I absolutely do not use to talk about my journey any longer. Um, But yeah, I was just kind of thrust into that. And eventually I was like, well, if people are going to keep asking me for my education, maybe I'll start charging them, (laughs) you know, maybe I will actually get paid for this because (laughs) this is so much of my time and energy and it's starting to become my expertise. The more that I'm actually doing it and researching and reading and, and living this experience, the more I become an expert on this. And I guess it also just happened at a really pivotal moment in history where, you know, since I came out in 2013 as trans, so much has changed. Like it doesn't look like such a huge amount of time but you know the transgender tipping point with laverne cox and we've had just like in- immeasurable trans representation since then i had nothing when i came out literally nothing and i had this realization recently when i was watching disclosure i was just like i think i'm one i mean obviously this is within a certain cultural context in a certain country and whatever but i think i'm one of the last generations ever to exist of trans people who won't have representation and that was such a mind-boggling moment for me and so it just so happened that people were also finally ready they were open they were ready to have those conversations they were actually begging for them because they were like i don't know how to do any of this i just want to be a good person i can't keep up please teach me Uh, So I started telling stories from really the age of 15. So before I even came out as trans, I started talking about my queerness and my identity and how that fit in with my Jewish identity. And people were really interested. And then when I got to 17, I was part of a documentary um, and it just sort of snowballed in that way. And I just kind of found myself in this career path, which I'm very grateful for. And especially, you know, being a storyteller on stolen land 
where storytelling is 80,000 plus years old here. You know, I really honor the energy that has always been on this country, on Wurundjeri country that I live on, um, and really bringing that to the center of, of what I do and, and focusing on that spirit that comes in this country. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the workshops are amazing. Um, I do talks and workshops. So sometimes I just talk at people. Sometimes we have more conversations. Um, it just depends on the group. And, you know, I think for the most part, I've found that people are very willing to learn, that people are very open, full of love, right to, to the brim of themselves. And, you know, I mean, I've done speeches where I've had like, I had an elderly man come up to me, 75 years old, and he said to me, you know, I've thought the same way for 75 years of my life and you just changed my mind in 10 minutes. Wow. And it was just like, that is so cool, you know, like that is so amazing. And I've had, you know, little old ladies say, I'd be very proud to call you my grandson. I've had kids hyperventilating when they meet me because they've read my book and they can't believe I'm there. And I'm like, I'm a big dag. Like, it's fine. We can just go for coffee. It's all good. Um, you know, I had a kid tell me that their mum found the school copy of my book in their room and burnt it. And I was just like, as like as a Jewish person as well, whose history is so entrenched in burnt books, I was just like, wow, that is hardcore. But also that is epic. Like the fact that I have written something that is worthy of burning makes me feel like I'm doing activism properly. Because I really believe if you're not pissing people off, you're not doing activism properly. If everyone's comfortable, why would anything change? You know, so the idea that I was disrupting the system in some way is so brilliant. But also I actually really love how gentle the workshops are and how much I can hold people in their experiences and also like universalizing this conversation around gender. Cause I think that we sort of scapegoat it a little bit to trans people. We look at trans people as like, Oh, it must be so hard to be uncomfortable in your body. And it must be so hard to deal with gendered expectations the way that trans people do and blah, blah, blah. We think about it as like us and them. And I always am just like, yeah, right. Wow. So what is it like as a cisgender person to be completely comfortable in your body? Oh, okay. You're, you're not either. Or what, what's it like to feel restricted by gendered expectations? Okay. You also experience that, you know, and the reality is, is that I think that cisgender people also know what gender euphoria feels like in their bodies. And I think they also know what dysphoria feels like in their bodies. And obviously it's different, but I don't believe that anyone is liberated by gendered expectations. I don't think that, you know, any man who as a kid was told to man up whenever he got hurt or injured himself and he hasn't experienced any emotions since, that's great. Stoked. Really good. Like really <laughs> helped me in my life path. You know, I've never met a woman who says when I'm impassioned about something and I'm speaking about it to a group of people and someone tells me I must be on my period. Um, that's great because I am always on my period and it informs all of my perspectives on things. You know, I've, I've not heard those things before. So right, it's really helped my career. Yeah, you know? It's really furthered my career to be a woman. I'm really enjoying like earning less money. You know, I've not, <laughs> not heard that stuff before. And I really don't believe that anyone is liber liberated by those expectations and to categorize, you know, 7.8 approximately billion people into two categories just always seems like it's not quite going to work 
Um, so the workshops are really beautiful and mind opening. And I also just really enjoy connecting with people through humor and just like having a fun time because this stuff doesn't have to be super serious and super scary. It can be fun. Yeah. I'm wondering if you speak to a lot of people in the United States, uh, because I'm sure, as you know, now we've got 90 plus bills across Republican legislated states. Uh, These are all anti-trans bills, uh, you know, um, where governments are forcing um, girls to present their birth certificates if they want to join a sports team or banning treatment of transgender people under the age of 21, health treatment, 21, not 18, 21. Or, um, I, I, I mean, there's a whole cadre of these, of these bills. It seems like the new, the new thing that, that Republican, you know, if we are in a state where the, the Republicans control the legislature, these are the bills that they're trying to pass right now. Um, and I was wondering if you have had opportunities to speak to uh, transgender youth, transgender people, or people trying to understand what that's about in the United States, uh, because it's it's such a... Like, I don't even have the words to describe how disgusting it is uh, and what's going on and, and and how much that has to just hurt people. Yeah. I mean, look, I've not had a lot of one-on-one conversations, but I definitely follow a lot of trans creators and activists and um, change makers in the U S and it just seems to me from my position that, you know, the U S has taken so many steps forward and is now just running in the opposite direction. Um, and I think it's really, it's really hard to see, but it also reminds us that progress isn't linear, that these things happen in like lots of different incarnations of themselves. And I, I mean, I really feel for all of you, regardless of whether you're trans or not, it feels like the U.S. is a very hard place to exist in with the kind of government that you have and with the kind of president that you've been dealing with uh, historically. And um, I really can't begin to fathom it. I mean, I still can't really begin to fathom your healthcare system. That is like, that is the thing that blocks me every time. I'm like, I can't understand anything else until I can understand how people can go into poverty for like, getting a checkup anyway (laughs) fully can't understand it very lucky in australia um but yeah i mean it's devastating i don't even really it's devastating that progress isn't linear you know like you really want to be working towards a certain direction and to know that it's developing but i also understand that the period that we're in right now is a real transition period from invisibility to hyper visibility you know a lot of trans people historically have just been living in the shadows you know have been living in secret have been dressing up in in opposite gender quote unquote uh clothing in secret you know and um there hasn't been any trans representation and there also hasn't been really outright trans violence in the media i mean you know obviously there was still propaganda in the 50s and the 60s and and cross-dressing was illegal and all of that stuff that's not to say that people didn't experience harm um of course they did and our ancestors fought in the trenches for us to be able to do what we do now but by the same token you know we are now being written about so much we are being spoken about so much that young trans people are so hyper aware of what the world thinks about them in a way that I don't necessarily believe that they would have 
in history, they probably just wouldn't have even had any language for what they're experiencing or known anything about trans people, which is certainly not better. But um, I think this transition period is really interesting because we're getting so much blowback from that visibility um, and so much just reaction. And I just really hope it it will die down and there will be a, a next thing. Well, I hope there isn't a next thing. I hope we can all just like calm the fuck down and start to love and care about each other and get through <laughs> this very difficult existence. Um, but I think that is kind of the period that we're in. Well, you're definitely helping um, many get through uh, this period because you're right. The pendulum swings. And then when it swings the other way, it swings hard. And we're looking for that middle place. Uh, I appreciate your time today. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and where they can find your books? Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram is probably where I spend most of my time um, at Navozison. And on my website, navozison.com, my book is available in the US, which is very exciting. It's at Walmart, um, but I'm sure there are more ethical places to buy it as well, <laughs> like local bookshops. And I think especially if you ask your local bookshops to get it in, that would be amazing. Um, it's also at Barnes & Noble, and uh, please, please don't buy it from Amazon I beg you. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm all over I'm all over social media. I'm a I'm a millennial. I'm on there. You'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> You're easily found. I appreciate your time, everyone. Um, thank you so much, activist writer. The two books are Finding Naval and The Pronoun Lowdown. Please check them out. I appreciate your time today, really, so much. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Everybody, stick around. We'll be right back after the good news. Hey, everybody, this segment of the pod is brought to you by Stamps.com. If I had a bunch of extra time and money, I would probably not spend it at the post office, <laughs> okay? If you're like me, you hate waiting in lines, and you hate wasting money, and you hate wasting, you know, you know, just being around. I mean, it's just not safe right now, right, to be in those packed, closed lines. I recommend using Stamps.com. Mailing and shipping online at Stamps.com is a breeze. They allow you to mail and ship anytime, anywhere, right from your computer. You can send letters, ship packages, and pay a lot less with discounted bulk rates from USPS and UPS and more. Stamps.com has saved businesses thousands of hours and tons of money. You get the services of the post office and UPS all in one place. It's so convenient and you get huge discounts on mailing and shipping rates. I found their service extremely smooth and efficient. It's a must-have for any business, whether you're a small office sending out invoices or an online seller shipping out orders or even a giant warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. And once your mail is ready, you just schedule a pickup or a drop-off. It's that simple. With Stamps.com, you get discounts of up to 40 percent off post office rates and up to 62 percent off ups shipping rates that's amazing stamps.com is a no-brainer saves you time and money it's no wonder nearly 1 million small businesses already use stamps.com so stop wasting time going to the post office and go to stamps.com instead no risk and with my promo code daily beans you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage Plus, they send you a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts are required, so just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in the code word DAILYBEANS, all one word. That's stamps.com, promo code DAILYBEANS. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. What a thoughtful interview that was. Indeed. I just absolutely love talking to them. You know, I feel like I I, I feel like I, I fight the good fight and I, I feel like I'm educated as much as I can be. And I always learn more. I always learn more. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, and and I plan on continuing to always learn more. Indeed. Like this is one of those uh, ongoing adult learning annexes that I will just always be part of, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's important. Um, we have a lot of good news that came our way, and thank you for sending it in. If you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt, you have a dispute you want settled by Amy and Amy's court on Fridays, or you want to give us a good swear word that you love, like a swearing phrase or just any kind of, you know, a good swear, you can send that in, too. We're doing all this. I, again, I should always just say what games we aren't playing. We are not playing Monopoly. Everything else, send it in. You can do that at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Our first submission from JT, pronoun she and her. Hi, Allison and Dana. Thank you so much for your prescient and humorous delivery of the news and getting me through the former guy's reign of horror. I have a combination good news and pod pet tax to share. I live alone and adopted a rescue kitten who was already named Maisie. What a great name, too, though. That's cute. She is usually a cuddly delight. Lately, however, she has taken to chewing on whatever paper or cardboard catches her fancy. I work from home. I have a home office and often have desk a desk laden with paperwork. One day, I left the office to get a cup of coffee, and when I returned, I found Maisie enjoying herself a snack. Of all the papers on my desk, she chose to eat my Kohl's cash. <laughs> because the Kohl's cash was worth $70, I decided to tape it back together and take my chances on seeing if they would honor it. When I handed the reconstructed mangled paper to the cashier for payment for my purchases, I could see, even behind her mask, she was a bit taken aback. I then told her what happened and showed her a photo of the culprit. We both had a good laugh and she honored the Coles cash. So that is a little bit of good news. Attached is a picture of the Coles cash and my pod pet tax, Maisie, looking super innocent. And yes, I agree with Dana that Allison should take a full week's vacation given all she's doing with the Daily Beans, the Friday happy hour and clean up on L45. Thank you. Although I'm not sure if that means I have to take that whole week or if I get a week off too, but we'll deal with it you, later. <laughs> you, you, we're just, we won't, we don't do the show for a week. Okay. okay. We, we basically put on like reruns and fun, good news stuff that we record before. I love that. I need to, I need to finish my damn pilot. Okay. All right. Look at I, well, that. I love that they still use that. I know that is incredible. That they were like, yeah, we'll take it. Nice work putting it back together. Indeed. <laughs> it's cool. Indeed. All right. This next one comes from Andy, pronoun she and her. Good news. Listen to Friday's episode on my way to get my second Fauci ouchie and got the good news during my 15-minute wait time. It was a lovely surprise to hear you read my message. It was the hummingbird moth in my uh, SD garden that I forgot to label. And for the kitchen sink portion of submissions. Having driven past Big Bond's exotic dancers, my parents explained... <laughs> My parents explained that it was a topless bar. Now, after waiting a few moments and trying to puzzle out what that meant, innocent 12-year-old me tilted her head, squinted her eyes, and asked, but what do they do when it rains? <laughs> oh, innocent. Well, there was no roof. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was I was wondering where you were going to go with that. I was thinking maybe they just had the bottom halves of their bodies, right? Like, they're, <laughs> like they don't have any, any oh, tops. Oh, my goodness. Now, as a pet tax, I've included a pic of Baca. Short for Sobaka. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Uh, which is just dog in Russian. Okay, there you go. And my kitty, Mighty Mouse, enjoying the sunshine. Baka's a mixed breed, and I'm confident you can guess which two. Oh. Oh, Baka's so silky. Definitely Pit. Pitbull. Yeah, Pitbull. I don't know how big Baka is. It's a big dog. It looks, if, if he's as tall as I think he is, maybe he's got some Great Dane in there. Yeah. I don't know. He's a cutie. That's a, sh- a shiny, that's a shiny puppy. He is a shiny Let's puppy. See. Oh! I got it right. Ooh, what? Ooh. What? We got another Great one. Great Dane. Great Dane Pitbull. We got another one. Doot, doot, doot. 
we're, we are now, I have one right and you have one right. And that's, that's our record. We right are now. one and one for 50. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Is it, is this my turn? It yeah. is. Next up, Lex, pronouns she and her. Hey, Amazing Beans, my best friend has a book with that title in his kitchen. And I smile and I think of you every time I see it. <laughs> Amazing Beans. Can you guess what 90s hard rock hit I thought the lyrics were? I smile at my radio and still my radio plays. Hmm. It wasn't until a road trip in 2007 we were listening to a local radio station all the way from New York City to NOLA. And I'm singing along and my husband at the time is like, it's despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. Oh my God. A smile at my radio and still my radio plays. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. I am surprised I have not. Oh, we're we're almost done with that. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, she says, some days just kind of voice telling me to take care of myself makes all the difference. Well. Oh, my God. I love it. So I found out recently, this isn't a good news story, but I have some hearing loss. And the worst news is that, and I was talking to A.G., Hearing aids is not covered by health insurance. I don't know if you all know this, and they range anywhere between like four and $10,000, which is painful to an artist that has not performed in a year. But um, I am shocked that I don't have more misheard lyrics because apparently I have mild to medium hearing loss, and a lot of it has to do with clarity of words. And so I bet if I thought about this, AG, I would probably have a lot of stories about what I'm actually hearing because I can't hear it. So I'll let you know if any of those come up. misheard lyrics there's really no good there's no there's no point to that story that was one of those stories when you finish and you're like now why i said that but we can always edit it out later all right this next story this next no i think it's i think it's you know i i just when you told me that hearing aids weren't covered by anything by any health coverage i was like what the what it's rare it's rare like i think your health insurance is one of the only health insurances that covers hearing aids which is insane they're trying to fix it in congress there's actually a bill passed hearing aids eyeglasses and dental burning for medic for just for Medicaid, Medicare, yeah. not not for everyone, just just <laughs> yeah. for Medicare, and yeah, the VA of course covers everything. Uh, if you're you know if you're a certain in a certain priority group, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's I it I have so much healthcare privilege that it I you know but I and I'm I'm never surprised but always shocked you know yeah and i will say this if there's any parents out there and your child plays the drums which is what i did from the time i was eight to the time i was 24 um make sure they have earplugs in because there's a very good chance that the cymbals and the high the and the drum noise is what caused some of this so Mm -hmm. always always have them wear and wear earplugs to concerts too yeah and the way to get them to do it is to say if you ever want to be a musician Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to be able to hear Uh, all professional musicians wear earplugs and i wish more professional musicians would make this psa totally like i wish girl would come out and be like wear your earplugs kids da 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 the more you know yeah um because it can really really save your hearing um yeah. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. All right. Back to the good news, though. This is from Sandy. No pronouns given. Dear Beans Queens, good news is that I am fully vaccinated and my hubby is halfway there and we will Woo-hoo. be fully vaccinated in time to walk our daughter down the aisle at the end of May. Yay. I have a misheard lyric to tell you about, too, in Walk Like an Egyptian. My sister swore the line was, they like the punk and the metal bands. She thought that was, they like to fuck in metal beds. <laughs> <laughs> from walk like an egyptian yep sounds uncomfortable to me but i'm sure it's right up someone's alley 
Oh my god. Attached are pics of my pod pets, Ollie is the big white dog given us to given to us by a friend, Rory, Princess Aurora. The Mike and Ike with legs. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Is the small black and brown dog my daughter gave me when she left for boot camp and Nix is the black cat. Mm, buns. So sweet, these babies. <gasps> bunnies! There's bunnies in the next picture. Oh buns. Oh. Wonder how that super sweet. I wonder if the buns is like a, a st- just an extra photo from somewhere or if these she because she didn't mention the buns. it could be but yeah if, even if it's an accident thank you for, thank you yeah. for the, the lovely accident of bunnies i love buns all right next up from anonymous pronoun she and her hello wonderful beans queens i have been a listener for a couple years now since the kitchen days i think i can't express my appreciation of y'all enough to, and i love the voice dana adds to the mix thank you both First is a song lyric. In a Simon and Garfunkel tune, Sounds of Silence, I hear Ivory Jew instead of I Might Reach You. (laughs) (laughs) Go figure. Never made sense, but I was listening to this way before lyrics were on the internet. Oh my God, the puppy picture came up. Go ahead. (gasps) Oh, oh, oh my God. Uh, biggest Biggest good news I can share is we adopted a puppy. Her name is Sadie. What do you think she is? We have no real idea. Poodle mix of something. But she's the sweetest albino, whatever she is, and we love her. I also added a pic of her and her sibling. Makes even less sense when you see how wiry the sibling is. That is not a dog. That is the good luck dragon from the never-ending story. That is Falcor. That is Falcor. My God, it is with the pink nose. Oh, my God, the face. Oh, Oh, goodness. I thank you for these babies. I really do love puppies and dogs. It just makes me Mm. so happy. Okay. This next one's from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Hi, all. Thank you very much for the podcast. It's absolutely part of my daily self-care routine, and I have learned so much. I can't even tell you. I have no idea how to keep straight all of the names, crimes, lawsuits, random side criminals, and everything else. But thank you for explaining it all to us. I've been listening since MSW and also adore AG's Gen X references. The first MSW show I caught featured a clip from The Princess Bride and I instantly became a loyal listener. I also know this community of listeners is amazing because I went to one of your live shows and instantly bonded with some fellow MSW fans there. Now, speaking of great fellow listeners, when I heard the first misheard lyrics about the Stevie Nicks song, I was kind of floored. I always always thought that song was called One Wing Dove. <laughs> I only learned it was wrong after listening to your show. <laughs> yes! I thought the dove was... Oh my god. I thought the dove was sad because she only had one wing. Maybe having lost the other ones just some tra- in some tragic way. <laughs> anyway, my mind was blown. I never bothered to do research like checking out the music video or, or thinking about how the bird would be unable to fly and now that i think about it i don't know if um i don't know any of the other words in the song except when she sings 17 <gasps> confession i may have also told my kids that song was called one wing top <laughs> <laughs> you're spreading the disinfo around huh and at this point i may just go with since i'm just too invested in these wrong lyrics uh, also i kept hearing keep on like the porn stars do don't stop till you get enough instead of keep, keep on, on. Like the porn stars do don't stop till you get enough <laughs> yeah instead of keep on with the force don't stop yeah keep on with the force don't stop for michael jackson's yeah. song hilarious i knew it was wrong but never bothered to look it up (laughs) since it was just one of those songs that was on the background and i never cared to understand what was being said luckily i mentioned it to my then boyfriend now husband who was able to correct me right away 
Oh, I don't have pets, unfortunately. Uh, not true. You just mentioned you have a boyfriend. Uh, I don't have pets, unfortunately. And I'm opting not to attach photos of my kids to boys age eight and ten since I've been giving them their haircuts. <laughs> I've been giving them their their haircuts during COVID, and their hair looks so bad lately. I have to say that along with teachers, I have a whole new appreciate for appreciation for hairstylists these days. <laughs> oh God, that whole submission made me laugh. That was fantastic. Uh, yeah, we have another one on team one wing dove Ugh. i think we might have to petition stevie nicks to change the song right I know. um yeah I, and this all started with like what was i my, i think my uh the misheard lyric we started this whole thing with didn't we just we started it on stereo didn't we on one of our live stereo shows i think so yeah because i had heard um instead of behind the bushes in in talk dirty to me you know, behind the bushes, ass screaming from ma ma ma. You know, <laughs> I thought it was behind the tool shed, right? Because he has to say bushes in order to get mm-hmm. it to rhyme, and I'm like, that's dumb. Why aren't you just behind the tool shed? So I, I, I actually think my misheard lyric is better than what's in the song. Um, that one <laughs> and uh, that one in the Adam Ant, you know, goody two shoes, subtle innuendos follow must be some. Yeah, I, well. I didn't know what a subtle innuendo was when I was five. So I thought they said something in you went tostado. There you go. Yeah. Because I like tostados. There you have it. Mm. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for submitting these. If you have anything you want to submit, you can do so at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. You can also donate a one-year premium feed membership to, to a patron. Uh, by by going to dailybeanspod.com. It's 36 bucks for a whole year and you you buy a one year premium feed membership where you get these these you get these shows ad free and you can do that for somebody who can't swing it right now. And if you can't swing it right now and you want to get on a list to get a donated one year membership, you can do so also same place dailybeanspod.com. Anything else before we get out of here? Such a good thing to do. No, it's just a good thing to do. I love being part of this community. It's it's it, it warms my heart. Yeah. Warms the, warms my cockles. And we've had <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people do that. It's just amazing. Yeah. It's just truly amazing. Um, all right. Well, that's it, everybody. Until tomorrow, please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health and take care of the planet. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is directed, written, and hosted by executive producer Allison Gill and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Audio. Staff writers include Dana Goldberg, Amy Carrero, and Allison Gill. Our copy is written by Jesse Egan, and our marketing manager, executive assistant, and social media director is Kanai. Fact-checking and research by Allison Gill, Dana Goldberg, and Amy Carrero. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder of Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. Hey, everybody, do not miss our Daily Beans after party on the Stereo app. We'll be going live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Dana and I want to hear from you. Our last Stereo show went a little bit like this. What about you, ladies? What are your favorite nonsensical songs? The most weird, bizarre, silly stuff you can think of that you've heard through music. Thank you very much for all you do. Um, Hope you're all well. Talk to you soon. Bye now. 
Oh my God, AG, I, so I have an older gay brother. I don't know if that's relevant to the story, but I feel like it is because he had the B-52s on the record. So it was like, you know, we were into the, has anybody seen a dog dyed dark green, sunglasses and a bonnet, designer jeans with <laughs> appliques on it. We were like, what? Like, Keith Lorraine, Keith like, I'm like, how many drugs was that person on? Uh, nonsensical songs, you're so much better at this than I am. So you go first, because I bet you've already thought of one and I'll try and think of one. Um, my favorite nonsensical songs come from They Might Be Giants, for example. Oh, yes. Boat of Car is really good. And then, of course, I'm going down to Cowtown. A cow's a friend to me. Lives beneath the ocean. That's where I will be beneath the waves, the waves. And that's where I will be. I'm going to see the cow beneath the sea. Yeah. There you go. No. Although, were they talk? What was he whale watching? Is it really that obscure? <laughs> you won't answer any questions about their lyrics. I, I've asked multiple times. Oh my god! Uh, the best I, can I, lo get I love them. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. The best I can get out of them is the explanation of uh, "Birdhouse in Your Soul," which we already yeah. knew, right? Right. So. Not to put too fine a point on it. Say I'm only being your bonnet. Yeah, it's sung from the point of view. Uh, sung from the point of view of a, a bluebird nightlight in the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that song. It's one of my favorite ones.